Hey everyone, this is Taylor with you. Uh, before we get to today's episode of the Total Soccer Show, in which Ryan Bailey and I do some weekend reviewing and do some midweek previewing uh, of all things Bundesliga, I wanted to let you know two things, both of which are very important. The first uh, is that in a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, cancer does not stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, the Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, uh, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures, and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. That's a lot of steps, but not as many as you'd think. Inside or outside, on the stairs, on the road, on your treadmill, climb your way. You can join them for the opening ceremony, and then you can take on the climb with their heart-pumping playlist. You can use their playlist to keep you motivated. Join us on July 13th from coast to coast as we climb together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at LLS.org slash Big Climb. That's LLS.org slash Big Climb. The second piece of news I wanted to relate is that on this week's episode of Football with Grant Wall, Grant is going to be talking to Landon Donovan. Uh, They get into lots and lots of different things, uh, but here's a quick clip to give you an idea of what they're talking about. This one would be Landon Donovan talking about his experience with Clint Dempsey, them sharing the record, and what it's like to be with Clint. So here's a clip of that, and then we'll get to the rest of today's show with my Myself and Ryan Bailey. In the end, you and Clint ended up tied at number one in the all-time U.S. goals record. Yeah. How, how do you feel about that? I feel like it's probably right. It probably makes sense. Um, Clint's like Clint. I actually understand very well because there's a part of me that has what Clint has in him. Um, not not to the same extent, but that desire, that um, undying desire to succeed at any cost is, is the same in both of us. And so Clint would almost make, I I don't want to say make up, but like, like watching the last dance, like Jordan would like make up stuff in his head to piss him off to get going. And Clint would, Clint would find it anywhere he could with an opponent or even a teammate. Right. So if he was like, jealous because I had more goals that would inspire him to score more, you know? And like, and I think that's a, at a highest level of athletics, that's an incredible quality to have. All right. So I will do my best to not incur the wrath of Clint Dempsey. That seems like a good uh, procedure to have in place Uh, to hear more of that interview. Once again, it's football with Grant wall. You can find that podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And welcome to a Monday morning weekend review edition of the Total Soccer Show. It has been a while since I've been able to say that and mean it because we do have games to discuss. With me to discuss those games is Mr. Ryan Bailey. Hello, Ryan. Guten Tag, Taylor. Wie geht's, mein Herr? He's going German. I will say I am fine. Thank you. I think is, is, is what I'm going with. I'm trying to learn Portuguese. Maybe I should try to learn German as well so I can come back at you with some stuff. I was just asking you what you're wearing in Portuguese, so you were you were oh, bang man. on there. Well done. <laughs> I'm double failing, but I have learned how to say <laughs> dog and ball, so I'm kind of killing it when it comes to the Portuguese front. 
Nice. Yeah. The hint is they sound like the words dog and ball, uh, to some extent, at least. Uh, but uh, we are not here to talk Portuguese. We're here to talk German to some extent because we're here to talk Bundesliga. Daryl and I broke down a lot of the action from Saturday. Ryan is here with me to uh, to help make sense of what happened on Sunday. We've got three games to discuss. Then we're going to be looking at some of the midweek fixtures. Uh, we're going to be talking especially Bayern v. Dortmund, or I should say Dortmund v. Bayern. Not that it matters since closed doors, no fans, but still, it is Dortmund at home. Uh, but before we get to those games let's talk about what happened this weekend ryan is there a game you want to get to first i'd like to talk about perhaps uh, the battle of the uh, out of form sides part one <laughs> but before we get there Tate, can yes, i sir. just ask an overview question of the bundesliga so far i which wish I have you would been very much enjoying even with pumped in crowd noise i find that not a distraction at all i actually quite enjoyed it uh, i thought it added to the experience somewhat but do you think i'm seeing lots of um articles this morning about Kai Havertz and about Timo Werner mm-hmm. and all these players who are basically going to be they're, they're writing transfer stories about them because they got to write about something yes but are German players going to get sort of poached away from the Bundesliga even more because they're in the shop window even more and I realize I'm just saying that because there's a lot more being written about them and the scouts who are scouting know about these p- players regardless but I just wonder because they're there and no one else is there. Do you think it's going to create a culture where you know their prices are going to be driven up, and there's a lot more attention on them from suitors from other leagues? You know, my my instinct when you started asking this was to say like, no, probably not. Like, you know, they've got some people watching, but who knows? But now, you know, the more you, the more you explain it out, the more I think about it. The more I think, yeah, there's probably a decent chance because if you are a like, I was watching uh, Köln Dusseldorf, for example, a game that I would not have been watching if there were other games on television. But since there weren't, here we are. And like, there are <laughs> players from both of those teams that I think could help Premier League sides, could certainly help like, Championship sides and La Liga teams and Eredivisie teams. And if you're watching these games because it's the only game in town, you might spot a player or two that you want to scout a, a bit more. And maybe when you're looking at a team like Colm, that's a player who, if you like their right winger or their left back or something like that, you might be able to get them uh, for a decent price. And I mean decent in the sense of not $40 million, but $4 million. Uh, So it, it stands to reason that yes, especially with Bundesliga teams who even though they're coming back, even though they're making some money, they're certainly going to be at a loss. And we know there were concerns about the stability, long-term stability of some teams. I bet, yeah, if you get, if you, if the offer is right some teams will probably happily part ways with some of their players so it's a good shout are there any players from this weekend then ryan that you think like really helped improve their stock or maybe made some of those reports seem a bit more concrete well the aforementioned kai habits and timo uh-huh. werner i think were probably uh, two very good examples you just picked up on uh column defenders or column fullbacks i think you said don't think anyone's going to be buying their defenders at the moment based on that they, they did this weekend, but uh, maybe they'll go cut price. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I also don't know if anybody is is like rubbing their hands together with anticipation about signing uh, Schalke or Augsburg players. Maybe yeah. it should be Augsburg players instead of Schalke because Augsburg do win 3-0 on the road. And this was a game that felt like maybe Schalke could turn it around. Uh, I know in your, in your betting preview or your uh, game previews you were talking – about how there was reason to believe that maybe Schalke could get it going, but there was also lots of concern about them not being able to do so. And now here we are with them having, I think, what, winless in nine Bundesliga games, two goals for and like 20-something against at this point. Uh, 22 against, yes. Yeah, not the way Schalke, I think, saw play resuming. When you watch this team, Ryan, was there anything in particular that you saw as problematic? Because... Uh, I'll buy you some time to think about that one because my <laughs> takeaway, it took me a while to figure it out. And it's just that like, I have played in games where from the start, it just felt like, ah, this isn't really going to be it, is it? Like, you can just tell yeah. that like, 
some some of your teammates are out of sorts. Some players are a little bit slower than they would be. And it's just like the biggest thing for me was, especially in the second half, as time wore on. And, and at that point, it's 3-0, so understandably so. But it felt like like at one point, Schalke had a call go against them that I thought was really harsh. And they all just sort of looked at the referee, collectively shrugged, and then like jogged back. And I didn't see that that fight, that response of, look, things aren't going well, but we've got to find a way to make it right. Instead, I just sort of saw like, yeah, well, we're losing this one too. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's it's a very odd situation. I think I can sum it up that they just seem rustier than mm-hmm. everyone else. And I know that's not an excuse because obviously their form uh, w- before the pandemic was quite poor as well. But I don't think it's a case of talent on the field. You know, you've got players like uh, Mantondo and Sane and, and Kenny and, you know, Weston McKinney and all these kind of players who are, are good talents, mm-hmm. but they're just not bringing it together at the moment, aren't they? I mean, as we say, they're winless in eight games. It just feels... It, are, we, are we to believe that David Wagner is maybe just not a good coach. I mean, this is a guy who didn't have a great deal of experience at a high level before coming to Schalke. Got relegated in the Premier League playing nicht so good Fußball, mm-hmm. as they say in Germany. So, is I, he just the wrong man for the job? I I don't think so. And, and I will say up front that like I I like David Wagner, and I think a lot of that is informed by what he was able to do with that Huddersfield team, who were certainly not high end, top end players, but he got a, a lot out of them, had them successful. They did stay up that first season in the Premier League. Things go south the second, and so. Moving to a club like Schalke, it felt like a logical step that he he has the experience, he has the know-how, now he's going to have a little bit more backing. And I think maybe that is the issue for me, is that he hasn't really had that backing. And you look at this Schalke team, and they've got some talent in there, certainly the names you mentioned, but they don't have that much in terms of attacking threats, in terms of goal-scoring options. There's nobody really in that team that I look at and think like, ooh, I am scared of them, I better double up, or I, I, all of the defenders are going to be distracted by them, uh, the way, like, obviously Dortmund have with Holland or... Uh, uh, Leipzig have with Timo Werner, but there's even like smaller examples of that that I feel like Schalke don't have. And I think I will say that this is from a perspective of like, is it David Wagner? No, I don't think so, because I think he's a good coach. So if it's not him and they do have some talented players, I then look at the depth of that talent and the way they've sort of been brought together. And I think it's a bit haphazard. And I think his sort of approach to manage them reflects that, which is a little bit haphazard. And once again, we saw him experimenting with different things. We saw Weston McKinney in an entirely new position, or at least to me in a new position. And I don't think it worked very well. Uh, And I think that maybe... We're seeing David Wagner trying to figure it out, but maybe not having the answers or the options to give himself answers. Sounds like you're talking yourself around to that he's not a good coach, <laughs> if I'm honest. I, I, I mean, it may well be the case that he is not. I still am of the mind that he is. And so then I just look at that roster and think, like, maybe if he had been given a bit more money, if they'd been able to spend some, if they don't sell Briel Embolo and they keep him and they do have a striker option, maybe that helps him. So I think I'm still inclined to point the finger at recruitment rather than David Wagner. But if results continue, I don't think that will matter because if they continue to not score and allow everybody else to score i don't know how long uh, wagner gets to turn things around yeah i don't and i jokingly put in the running order here can you sack a manager in a pandemic asking for a gilson kirken based sports organization <laughs> because it, it is a question could you if he if he keeps if he, say if he loses two more heavily to, to, to zero like mm-hmm. he has done in the last two games can you fire him is that appropriate at the moment i'm not i, I mean it probably is but I don't know. It, yeah. it just seems like I can understand them losing to Borussia Dortmund by by a four nil scoreline. I can understand, you know, Dortmund came out swinging and are a very talented team, but they were made to look very average in this game by a team who are 
lesser than Borussia Dortmund, shall we say, to put it politely. And I, I, I would just be very concerned for them at the moment. And as much as, you know, I think they look quite good at, in wide positions at times, mm-hmm. I think they forced some turnovers, which was quite good. But as much as the finishing was pretty poor and they were error-strewn all over the place, it was the defending that was the worst bit of this game, wasn't it? Um, um, I don't know, to be honest, because I know what you mean <laughs> when when we're talking about like the errant giveaways, the the really silly mistakes for a couple of the goals or for moments that could have yeah. been goals. So I know what you mean that the defending wasn't great. The thing that I like, again, going back to like the lack of energy, I they were just kind of boring. Like this game was a boring game for it. Finishing 3-0, two of those goals happened sort of later on in the second half. But I yeah. think a big part of it was, uh, and Daryl pointed this out to me because I didn't watch the game live. I, I have since watched it this morning. But Daryl's point was that, uh, here it is, I have it in front of me. It's quite long, but I'm going to read you the whole thing. Go on. Basically, Schalke start in a 4-4-2 diamond with Weston McKinney at the base of the diamond and responsible for distribution. In his first 10 minutes, uh, he has two bad giveaways. That is correct. Uh, he sort of recovers for the first one, but a teammate ends up fouling and Augsburg uh, score from the free kick. He recovers uh, the other one. Uh, but after that, Wagner adjusts the shape, so it's still a 4-4-2 diamond, but Schalke have possession. Uh, but when they have possession, McKinney is asked to come deeper and form a back three with Sané and Nastasic. Uh, I agree with that. Daryl goes on, but I'll pause there just to say that it did seem like he was trying yet another thing with Weston McKinney where he was meant to be sort of the pivot in that diamond that he would receive the ball and maybe turn uh, and so I think we saw him trying to be a little bit cavalier with some of his passes he has a back heel that mostly goes to a defender inside the first like three minutes but I remember there thinking like oh that's a little bit loose for a guy who is sitting deep and sort of being the connective tissue and then the deeper he gets the lack there is there's like a basically lack of other players filling in and it mm. sort of felt like it was what David Wagner trying another thing with Weston McKinney, like another experiment, uh, and this picking back up with Daryl. Uh, basically, Schalke are too static in their shape, no movement, they struggle to create. Uh, then uh, Wagner replaces him with 19-year-old uh, Nassim Boucheleb. Uh Schalke concede two more goals. That's not true. It was a different person. Um, but it is the case that essentially Wagner is still just trying to figure out how to use Weston McKinney to make something happen. And I guess I take heart that a manager wants uh, an American midfielder to be the kind of focal point of the team. But I am sort of saddened by the fact that it does not seem as though Weston McKinney was able to do that, at least not to the level that we would have hoped for. Yeah, he was a bit meh, uh, as I think I put in the running order in this game, which is curious because if you look at his stats on who scored, 90% pass success rate, uh, Mm -hmm. one, two aerial duels, one, five tackles, only dispossessed once according to who scored. That doesn't tally with what I remember watching. I saw him um, give the ball away three times at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, And... It just seems like he was at, for all those thoughts, he was probably one of the better players on yep. Schalke teams, which is damning with faint praise uh, in this particular situation. But I mean, I, I think the big thing here was just rustiness and mm-hmm. unnecessary errors. Those second and third goals, we had oh Kenny goodness. trying to. Um, it, the, the second goal was Noah Joel Sorenen Buzzi. Excuse <laughs> me if I said that incorrectly. It's a very entertaining name to say, though. Um, I love a four, a four word name. Um, the ball comes over the top to him and the defender sits off. It's Dirk Kenny who sits off of him and then tries to slide tackle from mm-hmm. the front, which in a one-on-one, is that ever a good idea? Not so much. I don't think it is. I don't mm-hmm. think it is. And this sort of, you know, a great finish and a dribble past him. But that just seemed like 
poor decision making there. And then you had obviously for the for the ninety first minute goal from a, from um, Cordova with the that was a pretty bad give up from who was that Merjan I think his name Merjan, is yeah, yeah Merjan at the end yes. So the, just two completely unnecessary giveaways there. Couldn't do much about the first goal from a that's a lovely free kick wasn't it from a Edward Love and Edward Love and his skills there. He's um he's an interesting player as well isn't he? Sort of a Milner style utility player because he I think he was a centre back at his previous club if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he's, playing, he's scoring he's, he's, bangers, man. He's scoring, he's scoring bangers. bangers, playing number ten essentially in this game. So, uh, yeah, very, very good to see. And credit to Augsburg for for pulling this one out and to, for uh, uh, pulling themselves out of a, a patch of poor form as well. And uh, good to have uh, Heiko Herrlich back on the sidelines after his teeth are nice and clean from uh, nipping out for that toothpaste as well. <laughs> and they they sort of I think they took their chances. They yeah. created a lot of chances as well, and some decent finishing from them. So. Credit to Augsburg, but uh, also you were playing a terrible Schalke side. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and final note there, my my one sort of positive, which is not a positive at all, at all uh, Levant Merjan, who subs on, that is who subs on for McKenney. I'm assuming it's yep. Merjan. The commentator had it as Merkan, but uh, from what I read of his name, he looked he, he looked and sounded very Turkish. I forget what his middle name is, but it was a very Turkish name. So to me, it's it's Merjan. But he does sub on, and I had a moment of like, uh oh, what if this guy comes on? He is the kind of the key pivot. He is able to facilitate things and makes Weston McKinney look bad, and instead. He he basically gets gets dispossessed, loses the ball very cheaply, cannot make it up, and is directly at fault for the third goal. Uh, and then we have the kind of slow motion freeze frame of him hugging the post after the ball goes in, and then very sheepishly turning to look at the bench. And so, if nothing else, <laughs> I don't think anybody else covered them in glory to the extent that Weston McKinney needs to worry about that starting job. I just no, still don't really know where that starting position is going to be for Schalke. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, and he was a key pivot in a way, by the way, because he kind of pivoted and yeah. let the ball go free <laughs> to the opposition. Uh, anything else from uh, Schalke Augsburg before we move on? Naughty Schalke. Stop being so bad. Right. Stop it. Yeah, stop I've got it. My, my, my family are, are from Gilsenkirchen, and uh, they are Schalke fans. They picked the, they backed the wrong horse at the moment. <laughs> if only they could look forward to 2020 and realize that. Well, if you are a Schalke fan and maybe you, you want to show that fandom while also being uh, responsible when it comes to social distancing, then I am here to tell you about Podiumware. Podiumware is a family-owned business based in St. Paul, Minnesota. The founder, Reed Letter, uh, is super friendly and has built a pretty cool U.S.-based manufacturing business. Of course, because of the outbreak of coro- uh, corona uh, virus, COVID-19, if you prefer, I tried to combine them into coronavid-19, I think. Uh, basically, Podiumware has moved away from making the custom jerseys that we've come to expect. Instead, they are making custom face masks. So maybe it's the Schalke players not feeling like there are enough Schalke face masks out there. That's what's holding them back. I'm sure that's the case, Ryan. So they could go that route. But if and when uh, normalcy resumes, can you tell our listeners a bit about uh, what it is that Podium Wear actually uh, like to do when they're not making face masks? I'd be delighted to. Coronavid-19 is the portmanteau uh-huh. that the people need right now. I Thank so. you for that, Taylor. Mm-hmm. But Podium Wear to get back on track are a custom team apparel manufacturer, as you say, from Minnesota that's turning the world of team soccer kit ordering on its head. They provide custom designs in a full line of soccer apparel, all made to order, as you say, from St. Paul Oyar. In normal times, we talk about how great this process is, and I oh, said process instead of process, turning native, oh boy. and how your experience of ordering for you or your kids' club teams will be made infinitely easier by them, which it is, but these aren't normal times, as you nah. say, because of the crisis. They're making those lovely face masks for you to wear while you're out and about doing your shopping, and um, if you're in the Ozarks, going into your pool surrounded by thousands of other people or, you know, doing your workout or 
doing it at the sidelines of a soccer match, you buy one for yourself, buy one for all the family, Tay-Tay. <laughs> but don't go in those pools in the Ozarks. Don't do that. Agreed. Uh, so go to, and I agree that you should go to podiumware.com and get your custom mask today. Bookmark them for when you're ready for your next soccer kit order. That's podiumware.com. Check them out today. A link, as ever, will be in the show notes. Now, Mr. Bailey, let's move on to Mainz versus RB Leipzig. Uh, I do not remember what you wrote about this game in your preview. My expectations were that coming out of that draw against, I believe, Freiburg, it felt like Leipzig were 90% of the way back to their sort of full form. And if they kind of like worked out some of the worked off some of the rust, got things running a little bit more smoothly, we might see a return to normalcy. We did not see the, I think, eight goals that Leipzig got against Mainz earlier in the season, but we did yeah. get a 5-0 resounding win for Leipzig. Uh, where should we start with this one? I'll tell you what, Timo Werner is three points behind, uh, three points, three goals behind Robert Lewandowski in the, in the Golden Boot Race. Just needs to play Mainz one more time and he'll be there. Is he really? Can, I didn't realize yeah, it was that tight. I but yes, so. of course, if you get a hat trick against Mainz, that probably helps, doesn't it? <laughs> he loves getting those hat tricks against Mainz. And they're 13-0 on aggregate for this season, as you say. Wow. Mainz 05 losing by five goals. There's so much poetry. Schalke 04 losing by four last weekend. All I can say is that uh, coming up next, we've got 1899 Hoffenheim against Eins FC Köln. So we're going to have a 1899 to one scoreline definitely on Wednesday. If That's it's like one say. eight, I'm going to be very confused. Um, <laughs> In the 99th minute, the let, eighth goal. Let's stick with that. <laughs> That'd be incredible, and I hope it happens. Let's stick with Mites for a moment, who are 15th, yeah. uh, did not win, negative 24 goal difference. Probably not ideal for them, but... What we can talk about is that they did play crowd noise. You mentioned it earlier. We mm. got moments of it, and I was sort of initially just kind of not aware of it happening, and then slowly it became more obvious. And I think part of that is that I may be wrong, but I think whoever was doing it had different tracks that they could play, because you would get generic cheering, generic crowd noise. But then as soon as uh, Leipzig did anything that like the fans would have disapproved of, so when there was a yellow card to, I think, Upamakano, there was booing. The track switches to booing, and then it switches back mm. to generic cheering. So I, I did sort of uh, enjoy that, at least just from like it gave me the normal audio narrative that i would expect from a game like this that is the job i want the guy who pushes the buttons to get the crowd mood uh pumped into the uh to the live feed i very much enjoyed that i have to say i thought i would be disgusted by pumping in the fake noise but i liked it as i said off the top Strange, of the show right? i thought it was good and i thought it made it made things seem a bit more normal and also i think i, I if i'm not mistaken on the totally football another totally based podcast mm-hmm. should we say um they were mentioning how they've, the, the cameramen have changed the angle so you see less of the stands now and it's tighter on the field so that it's made to seem more normal as well and i think that combined with the noise for me that was just a regular viewing experience mm-hmm. yeah I, I, and i know we're, we're very different us talking in in the u.s about a european game where fans are very important and you know fans being in the stands is very important but for a televisual viewing experience I thought that was pretty good. Did you feel any any way in the same? I, I definitely found myself more consistently connected to the game. Yes. And and while that probably sounds very modern and emotional uh, for a podcast that was once called Too Soft, I'm fine with it. Uh, I, I think it was the case that because you had a little bit of the noise and even just like you would get that booing and there'd be moments when I would get distracted and suddenly I'd be like, oh, there's booing? What, what, what happened here? And it would make me go back or it'd make me kind of reconnect or focus back in. It, it made a difference. And so it was strange and it's not a thing I think I really wanted to to see i was concerned that it would make it feel even more obvious that people weren't there but i think Mm. for a viewing at home from a viewing at home perspective it helped me sort of stay focused on what was happening for sure 
Yeah, I, 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 as I say, I had no problems with it, and I, I hope it continues. I was watching a little bit of the NASCAR race on Sunday evening oh, from Charlotte. I don't think they pumped in any guns or anything from, uh, <laughs> from from the sidelines. It was just uh, engine noise, which is pleasurable. Those V8s sound quite nice in its own right, but it was also a bit echoey. So maybe they'll learn something from this as well. But from what I understand, though, can't you not understand? Like, can't you not hear anything if you're at an, if you're actually at the race? Like, isn't it impossible to hear people even next to you because it's so loud? Yeah, I, I've only been to one. I went to this this particular race uh, like sort of eight years ago. Mm-hmm. It was quite an experience, Taylor. I'll, t- I'll tell you about it one day. The I look forward to hearing it. Was about amazing. It. <laughs> which which do you think w- was less pleasurable? You going to NASCAR or Mainz uh, being forced to play this game? Um, I have to say, on balance, it was NASCAR. <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a big motorsport fan. I, I used to go to a lot of Formula One races in Europe, and NASCAR was a new experience for me. But I don't know. There was. There was a there was a, there was a couple in front of us who were eating like a giant turkey leg and sort of sharing the meat between it like a baby bird being fed by its mother. And there was a, a couple sitting next to us because you can bring your own beer into the into the NASCAR track, and they were slamming these I don't know light beers of some sorts. And as soon as the race started, they were both asleep. Yep, that's it. That's another uh, thing I've heard is like you take naps during the race. It's a strange yeah. sport. It really is. Uh, it's it a odd. strange sport that I'm passively interested in, but probably will never watch. I'd like to go back to a NASCAR race because maybe I didn't give it the the, the, the the chance it deserves, but it was a it was an interesting experience all round, shall we say? But also, uh, yeah, Mainz not having a fun time either. Uh, if you, I'm, I'm looking at who scored website as well here as well, and when it looks at um, when it's got the Mainz section, sort of the review of the game, who scored says this team has no significant strengths. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is a team that used to be wrong. quite difficult to play, weren't they? I mean, I, I mean, used I think to be a bit of a bogey team for some teams. It's they are, and I think it's 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 both a like you know a fair criticism of a team that failed to score and failed to do much in a five 0 loss. It is also yeah. a testament to the attacking fluidity and ability of Leipzig. And I did yeah. see again, having watched this game and the Schalke game this morning. There was a lot of parallels in my mind, not in the way that I would have liked, but with Schalke, you have an underperforming team that don't seem very connected, don't seem like they kind of have things ironed out, and therefore you have a sort of underperforming American who's being asked to do things that he's not as familiar with when it comes to uh, operating centrally, especially in a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. Contrast that with Leipzig, who... Really did hit the ground running. Timo Werner with the opener 11 minutes in. They looked like a very fluid team. We saw them in a 4-4-2 that occasionally was the 4-2-2-2 and, and had a lot of uh, fluidity in the movement. We had Timo Werner and uh, Paulsen uh, up top causing lots and lots of problems. But then we also saw Leipzig identifying vulnerabilities. Mainz in their back three. They stayed pretty tight, those three center backs. That left the wing back exposed. Leipzig overload there. They often had like 3v2, 3v1 scenarios. I think yeah. the first three goals all come from that position with the ball crossed in because mm-hmm. they're able to create those overloads. So that sort of fluidity and attacking play and sort of the repetition and the quickness of that passing is a thing I think we didn't see from Schalke. Schalke much more sort of plotting and determined in their passing versus quick movement and quick uh, kind of shifting of the attack. And then Tyler Adams comes in and Tyler Adams 
in the first couple minutes, I think like the first time he receives the ball, he has a defender pressing him. He turns, he like feints left, turns right, fools the defender, drives forward. I think he ends up playing the ball into Campbell, uh, when Campbell scores, but the goal is disallowed for offside. Adams is then involved in the, I think the fourth goal as well in terms of getting forward, being involved and like hel- helping facilitate. And so I think again, you saw this very good attacking team that everybody seems to be on the same page with a young American who, while playing centrally, was able to kind of avoid challenges, didn't make any mistakes, kept the ball moving, but could also drive forward with it. It felt like what Schalke are going for, but definitely have not gotten to yet. Yeah, that's a good assessment. And I thought yeah, uh, Leipzig was really good through the middle um, with those attacking players, yep. Paulson, Werner, Sabitza before Adams and um, and Campbell as well. They they just look wonderful in this game. But I think the, the biggest problem, as you touched on there with Mainz, was they were so compact yep. most of the time, particularly in defence. That 3-4-3 didn't really help them. Like that first goal, for example, when the, the ball came wide from, was it Liner who put the ball in, I think? Yes. And that sort of nice angled finish from Timo Werner. And there was... There was some, uh, I don't know if you picked up on this. I saw someone picking up on this, that Paulson was doing this. He made a run to the near post and sort of backed into his defender, like pushed him back. And it made loads of room for mm-hmm. Werner to get his shot off. And it was just a really sort of interesting little nugget there that you notice that sort of the, the, the interplay between those players was really good. But And, and, and the second goal, Mainz, Mainz was still pretty compact, but they were just sitting back and giving mm-hmm. giving Leipzig so much time for the build-up. They had some, you know, the ball was sort of stationary for a couple of seconds in that build-up because when, when uh, who was it on the sub? Was it Olmo or Lima was sort of deciding where am I going to put this ball in? And and oh, for the, the second cross, one, yeah, for the second one, it's, and it's sort of the cross comes in and Paulson's yeah. there and he's got a free header. There are five red shirts in the six-yard box. Yeah. Not a single one of them's anywhere near interesting on in picking up Paulson. It's just like if you're going to be compact, at least try and pick up your man in the middle. It, it was a very the second goal was an was a, a pretty damning goal because it's uh it's Sabitzer who I think ends up playing it in for Paulson, but it's it right. comes from a free kick for Leipzig, like about thirty yards out on the channel or like thirty-five yards out, like near the touchline. And I, I don't know if my, mine seem to be like, oh, we're going to defend if they take it short, but also drop in. So you sort of have this weird divide. But as a result, they then do immediately have that mismatch. And it's why there's a couple quick passes. Again, you have that 3v2 or 3v1 scenario. And Sabitzer just kind of makes a run once the defender leaves and has mm. like I, at least 10 yards of space to kind of pick his head up, so decide where space. he wants it to go, and then find Paulson and get it to him. That it came from a stationary free kick and they were still able to create that amount of space uh, is a testament to sort of, again, the awareness Leipzig have. And even like the backing in thing you mentioned with Paulson, like it, it shows the relationship. And I think, again, mm. to Schalke, you don't have those sort of consistent repetitions, those consistent reps in the same spots with the same people so you can't get that level of familiarity that leads to this type of performance so uh while uh i guess commiserations to Schalke once again for leipzig this did feel like the type of performance that say we do have things go against dortmund uh this week when they play Bayern munich it would then make it i think a 10 point gap before leipzig play uh if Bayern munich win but it does still feel like leipzig could at least sort of turn it on and cause munich problems potentially or at least keep the pressure on to some extent yeah, definitely. I, was, uh, I think if, if they win midweek and Dortmund win midweek, we've definitely got a more interesting title yes. race for sure. And this was the, the Leipzig that we know and love if you are inclined to love uh, an energy drink team from East Germany. <laughs> um, I, I, I particularly liked uh, Kevin Campbell in here, not just because it reminds yep. me of saying Kevin Campbell, who I looked up, Kevin Campbell's 50 now. Doesn't that make you feel old? It does. Anyway, it Kevin really does. Campbell... 
with a P. Uh, he, he, I just thought he was wonderful in this game. Yeah. He sort of dispossessed, um, I can't remember who he took the ball off, uh, near the halfway line for the third goal and basically uh, set that one up. Uh, he did some lovely dancing around the box for the fourth goal and played the 1-2 for Werner to finish for his second goal, which was uh, Leipzig's fourth. He had that disallowed goal, which was lovely as mm. well, sort of where he put it in from distance. That was Campbell, wasn't it? It, 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 was. it was, and it was, yeah. and it was uh, nearly assisted by Tyler Adams. So I was mad That's he right, didn't yeah. get the goal. <laughs> Yeah, which looked, I mean, yeah, interfering with play, offside, whatever. But uh, that looked like a good goal to me. And I just thought he was, he, he wasn't maybe not the best player on the field because you could argue that Paulson and Werner had a better game. But he, he was sort of the glue that really put things together for me. I thought he was very good. I agree entirely. And I think it's like the versatility of his skill set that he can kind of one and two touch passing, keep it moving quickly. It can be vertical passing, but it can be lateral to kind of establish possession. But then like with some of the, with some of the moments he does have, including that disallowed goal, it is just like, all right, I'm going to dribble at you now. Like I'm going to take you on one V one. I'm going to take on two (laughs) defenders or three defenders. He does have that in his back pocket as well. So Mm -hmm. that he can kind of bring out those different looks, those different options at different times. He definitely stood out to me. And you're absolutely correct that though it was Werner and Paulson, uh, mostly getting the goals and assisting it. Kempel stood out to me yet again and not just, just because he has blonde streaks in his hair. Although that does help make him a bit more identifiable because some of the numbers were difficult to uh, tell yeah, apart. That does help. That does help. Is he, was he the pre-assist king of this game? Can we call him that? Yes, I like that. The MLS assist, I think we can go with. <laughs> uh, so that was, uh, yeah, Leipzig destroying Mainz 5-0. Uh, once again, destroying Mainz. Leipzig uh, third in the table. We'll see what happens later in the week. But for now, before we move on to sort of looking at some of the games that have not yet happened, let's talk about a game that has definitely happened. Köln Dusseldorf. It finishes 2-2. I was at this game the first time round in Dusseldorf, uh, when mm-hmm. Dusseldorf get the win. It felt for the world like they were going to do that again. They go up 2-0, uh, a second half goal from Tommy in the 61st minute, made it 2-0, but then Colin are able to drag it back. It finishes 2-2, uh, which is going to be sadder for, I would say, Dusseldorf than Colin because Dusseldorf much closer to the relegation zone, currently in that relegation playoff, uh, if ProRail does end up happening in Bundesliga this season. Uh, Ryan, were there any standout performers for you from either team in this game? I will say this was the best uh, the best result for Mainz this weekend because yes. that equaliser kept them three points above uh, in a relegation zone. So that this was very good, good very fortunate good for them point. Uh, for, for, for Dusseldorf to drop two points in this manner. Interesting how Cologne gave up a 2-0 lead last week and then fought back for one in this game. They, they just sort of had opposite game to last week, if you like. They're a five, final uh, five-minute uh, fight back. Was there any standout players? I thought maybe Cologne looked good in wide positions, mm-hmm. so we can say maybe their fullbacks were pretty, were pretty impressive in this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I think this was, was the fair? one. This honestly was the game that, when thinking about it a little bit more in depth, is why I changed my answer to your initial question from no to yes in terms of will there be Bundesliga teams and players that are sort of rated and picked up by other clubs and other mm-hmm. leagues. And like Tommy, as an example, uh, was a player who uh, scores scores the second goal and and like it's a great finish. It's good work by him, but it's just yeah. also throughout the game his energy, his enthusiasm. He closes people down, and I have to believe. That that maybe there's some teams that would not necessarily have been out there scouting uh, uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf's like left winger, a team that have not had that much success this season. But now, if you watch this game and you see the energy he brings, maybe if you're a club, you might take a take a look at him just a little bit more. Similarly, uh, Bodzik, the central midfielder number 13, I think he's the yeah. one who closes the ball down, wins it back, establishes possession, and it leads to the first goal. And again, uh, like he's 34 years old, so he's a bit older. So maybe people don't come like rolling in for him with a bunch of 
money, but it's just sort of energetic midfielders who are technical and good defensively. That ticks a lot of boxes for teams that are going to have some money to spend or might not have as much money to spend. And so spending a little bit on a maybe like a B plus version of a player that you would have had to spend 30 million on. But again, now you're spending three or four million on. I see the appeal there, especially with the way things are going to go financially this summer. Yeah, definitely. And I agree on, on Tommy that he was a, he was a lot of fun to watch in this game. Great time first uh, first time finish for that um, for, for that second goal. I also quite like Anthony Modesta on the other side of things. Mm. Uh, he's he, he's just one of those players who's entertaining to watch. He sometimes goes a bit Hollywood with things and tries things maybe he shouldn't do, but you know uh, came came out with a with a, a decent um, what was a headed goal in this one, wasn't mm. it? It was a good finish. I will say though that first goal that went in um, for, for Dusseldorf. Cologne were giving the blueprint on how not to play out from the back, were they not? This was, take, take, take us through it, it. Take us through it. So this would this would be Pep Guardiola turning in his grave if he had one at this point. It was basically Cologne, Cologne were just messing around with the ball in their own third. They were doing what some some really arrogant rec teams do when you play against them, just knocking it around the back. Yep. And but all the time, Dusseldorf were kind of pressing quite high just waiting to get caught out and they did get caught out because they got dispossessed and uh, Caramon got that you know great finish through traffic in the end but it was just that's not how you play out in the, fr- from the back they were just dilly-dallying while the press was slowly creeping up on them and their options were closing uh, 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 you know as, <laughs> with, as as the seconds passed it just seems like a, it was a really disastrous goal from their perspective it really was, uh, and, and maybe though they'll uh, they'll be inclined to give credit uh, where credit is due instead of blaming themselves. You could look at Dominic Drexler, not Drexler. I looked that one up because I was like, "Ooh, is that Julian Drexler's brother?" No, it's spelled differently, so <laughs> fundamentally different. Uh, but he comes on in the second half, I think, in the 60th minute, and provides the assist for both goals in the 88th and 91st minutes. Uh, so well done to Drexler, well done to uh, Cohen for fighting back. Maybe less well done to Dusseldorf for uh, failing to preserve that two-no win. Although with no Zach Steffen in goal. Maybe that's the issue there. If they had Zach Steffen, it would have been 2-0 and would have been no problem. Uh, that's I how I'm choosing that, to believe um, it. I forgot that Uwe, Uwe Rosler was their manager as well. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Nice see, blast from the past. Like see, that. there's reasons to be excited. There's reasons to be excited. Well, there's reasons... might get relega- relegation playoff uh, could be looming, but who knows? <laughs> there are some reasons to be excited. <laughs> Just some. Um, there are certainly reasons to be excited about the games we still have coming this week. But before we talk about those, we should talk about a new sponsor. It is Hawthorne. Uh, Hawthorne, we have not talked about before. Hawthorne would like you to, uh, would like you to be aware of the impact that your smell can have on others and yourself. Because if you smell good, if you smell nice, if people, if you walk by and people are like, ooh, that was a nice scent. Who's that person? He seems like he has his, his business together or, or her business together. If you smell bad, Ryan, maybe less so. Maybe you look less put together, and that's what I think Hawthorne would like to remind us all, especially these days when like, you might be surprised to run into people since you don't do that that often. So if mm. you haven't bathed, if you're not smelling good, it could be a problem. That's, that's generally good advice for life. And I'll say yeah. I um, during this, during this uh, pandemic situation, stay-at-home situation, I've been running every morning. I'm on a streak at the moment of wow. a few weeks of running every morning. And when I come back to the house at like 8.30 a.m. AM or whatever and my kids are there, they will not go within 10 feet of me. Not because, not because I necessarily stink, but because I'm sweaty. They believe I will stink. <laughs> so it's not just that smelling good import is important, Tate. It's the aura that you give off that you do smell good as well. And right. that's what, uh, what Hawthorne are here to help with because Hawthorne products, they smell darn good. And they getting no cologne 
is super easy as well. Let's talk about that for a moment because uh, unlike a lot of other companies where you can sort of go to the website, see the products they have, but when it comes to like beauty products or personal skincare or personal care products, you might want a bit more information and that's why you can go to Hawthorne and basically they have the, the quiz that helps you kind of tailor the products to what your needs are. So for example, they might ask you, what's your facial skin type? And it could be dry, sensitive, normal, oily combination or you don't know or if you're Ryan, uh, when we talked about this before we started recording, the answer could be none of your business. Um, <laughs> Ryan didn't want to take the test. Um, but it, it kind of can help you sort of identify the issues that you might have. Or maybe like, if it, like I tend to just sort of be like, oh, that's just how that is. And it, and it takes my wife being like, no, like y- you can deal with that. That's like a facial thing. Like you maybe have too much oil. So you don't want to have all that oil on your face. So they have products that can help you with that. And you can kind of select the areas of concern. You can talk about your hair type, how often you shower, how long your hair is, uh, what's your main hair need. Lots of different questions in there. You answer all those and they'll kind of point you in the direction of the products that might be useful for you. I'm coming round to the quiz, Tay-Tay. Really? I was a bit put off the quiz because a certain uh, athletic wear company, which may or may not be owned by Kate Hudson, made me do a quiz <laughs> when I was trying to uh, buy some stuff, and I was put off a little bit. But this sounds good, and I'm reading between the lines because if my kids think I stink, maybe I should take the quiz. Does the Kate Hudson product involve your running? Is that what she does? Does she do like like yoga pants and running pants? She does, yes. Oh, uh, okay. They are fabulous, shall All I say. Right. Well, the products on offer at Hawthorne are, uh, I'm going to say equally fabulous because uh, I have not experienced Kate Hudson's uh, yoga slash running pants. Uh, but you can go to Hawthorne. You can check out Hawthorne.co. Uh, That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Important to stress that one. Uh, we can put that in the show notes. But you can use our promo code, which Mr. Bailey, if you're unaware, as he stalls for time to scroll down to see, is TSS. <laughs> our promo code is TSS to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. And use our code TSS to get 10% off your purchase. One more time, Ryan, what's that website? It's Hawthorne.co, baby. The code Mm. is TSS to get 10% off your first purchase. And I'll say one more thing. The bottles of their products look really nice. And that's important for your bathroom aesthetic. Also that you, you want it to, it's, it's the, I remember a life hack once that was like, if you want to, if you're entertaining for the weekend and you want to look like you have your life together. And one of them was go out and buy three big bottles of Pellegrino. So it looks like you just have like bubbly water around at all times. I think, yeah, like having nicely packaged materials in your bathroom also gives off that, uh, that impression in a time period when no one is coming to visit your home. But still, maybe you just want that aesthetic around. Pellegrino must be the secret because I remember when we sold our last house, it got sort of what do you call it? They dress it up for mm-hmm. prospective buyers. They staged it. A couple of bottles of Pelle- staged it. Correct. They, they they brought in furniture which was nicer than now horrible furniture, and they uh, they put a couple of bottles of Pellegrino on the kitchen island and some fake lemons. So maybe, maybe Pellegrino is the key. Maybe or it could have been the fake lemons. We don't know for sure. But either way, it could also be Hawthorne. So one more time, Hawthorne.co. <laughs> Check them out. Use the promo code TSS for 10% off. Ryan, mm-hmm. we have midweek games. We've done the weekend reviewing. Let's do some midweek previewing. I don't know if you've written anything about these games yet, but the big ones that jumped out to me on Tuesday... We've got not Der Klassiker, but it is Der Klassiker, uh, if you want to go with the branding. We've got Dortmund versus Bayern Munich. That's at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Then after that, Bayer Leverkusen uh, hosting Wolfsburg at 2.30 p.m. Wednesday, the one that jumps out to me would be RB Leipzig versus Hertha Berlin. We should note uh, the reason why that would be the case is because we already talked about Leipzig, why they're great. Uh, Hertha have won both of their games since the return by a combined scoreline of 7-0. Once against Union Berlin, once against Hoffenheim. So it seems like an inform Hertha versus an inform Leipzig, that will be a big one. Ryan, which of those three are you most excited for? Or uh, which of those three have you written about already? 
I've not written about any of them, okay. and I'm happy to happy to be excited about any of them. I say the two that do stand out to me are Dead Classica and probably that Leipzig game, as you mentioned. Should we quickly touch on the Leipzig game? Because I think this is a really important. This is an English Avoca, the English week in in the Bundesliga, um, you know, midweek game schedule. And I think, as we touched on earlier in the show, if Leipzig win this and Dortmund win their game, then we get nice and mm-hmm. tight up at the top of the Bundesliga. There, if Bayern Munich win. And Hertha continue their very good form, as you say, a 3-0 and a 4-0 win so far since the comeback. Then the Bundesliga race, this might even be the game week where we kind of say, yeah, this title race is done. Quite possibly, maybe, possibly, maybe. But uh, I'm looking forward to watching this game, this Leipzig game. Um, they didn't, Leipzig weren't wonderful in their opening home game of this uh, pandemic, uh, as, as I think you might mm-hmm. agree. But... I mean, and there's there's some interesting options here. Maybe maybe there's a bit of rotation in this game. Maybe Tyler Adams gets a start here. Maybe we see Angelino, um, Manchester City's forgotten son, uh, playing this one. Maybe Patrick Schick gets a start here. Do you think? Do you think there's a? What do you think about Tyler Adams? Does he get a start in this one? I would hope so. I, I would like that to be the case. I would like him to get the start at central midfield. It does mm-hmm. seem like that's a thing that uh, Nagelsmann is prioritizing, is sort of squad rotation, fitness yeah. concerns, especially with the five subs, but with the kind of uh, abbreviated training time. I think it's why we didn't see Sabitzer start the first game, but does start the second game. I, I have a feeling we get to see Tyler Adams get the start. I'm hoping we do. And... I think I really want to see him start. When it comes to Hertha, I don't really know what I want to see because I have not watched them since their return. And part of part of that is because the coverage around them as the Bundesliga resumed play was they're sort of dysfunctional. They're in a status flux. Jurgen Klinsmann's no longer there. Solomon Kalou is posting videos he shouldn't be posting. It seems like <laughs> things aren't really working that well. They're spending money, but it's not really clicking. And yet now two games, seven goals, none against. Maybe things are clicking a bit more than I would have expected. So it seems yeah. like two very informed teams... One with maybe Tyler Adams starting, so I'm going to give the edge there. But uh, yeah, I think that that game would be the one I'm most excited to see to talk about, except that we do have Dortmund versus Bayern, as you said. That could be massive in terms of the way this title race is going to go down if we even get a title race at all. If we do indeed. Now, just before we move on from that game, I'll say sure. I, I did actually tune in for her to Union uh, oh, l- l- earlier this week. And I tuned in for the first half. Watched it. Nil-nil. Nah, nothing happening that here. That was enough? That was enough for me. <laughs> I've got a real knack of missing goals, apparently, lately. But uh, that was... Uh... I saw you tweet this. <laughs> yeah. I think on Saturday morning, when I was flicking between the games, every time I changed between FS1 and FS2, a goal would go in in the other game. I had sort of the, the, the Midas touch in reverse, if you will. King Midas in reverse, to quote the Hollies. Up to Hollies, think... Hollies chat today, Taylor? Yeah, like that? I could, I could do some Hollies chat. Is, is that no, no milk today? Is that the Hollies? See, you weren't ready for me to come come at, come at you with a deep Whoa. cut off the tracks. You matched me. You matched me. I'm very impressed. <laughs> um, I'm happy to talk more about the Hollies. Is there anybody for Hertha Berlin that you did notice uh, when you watched them not score goals? Uh, trying to think now. <laughs> I'll take that not as a, a generic. They're all good in their own special ways. They're all wonderful. Yes. No, I. I what I mean, about what about what about at, at Bayern Munich? Are there any players there that you uh, you feel comfortable talking about? <sighs> Bayern Munich, they've got some good players, haven't they? <laughs> I, mean, I think I think um, my Goretzka, I think, has been very good since the comeback. Right? Weird, right? About Goretzka, yeah, being impressed with him. That's another one that I I, I would have like. I mean, first of all, uh, it's good to know. Oh, excuse me, that's Drexler. Goretzka, I also like 
kind of consistently forget is involved in a big team like Bayern Munich because they have yeah. so, much, so much other talent and so many other options in different positions. And yet, yeah, he seems to be the sort of glue, the consistent performer so far and has been very good. Not a player that I would have expected to start in a game like this, but now I, I, I fully do. I think we'll probably also see uh, Thomas Muller since he sort of is in, once again, incredible form. He tends to do this when managers yeah. that don't embrace his style or his ideas maybe uh, say goodbye and managers come in who do the opposite of that and instead sort of make him feel incorporated, make him feel included. I think that tends to make him feel like he can score goals and do good things, which he has been doing. I just really enjoy watching Thomas Muller because you never know when he's going to do something completely normal and it will be very good. And you never know when he's going to do something completely abnormal and it will probably also be very good. The Raumdeuter, mm-hmm. as he likes to be called. I've oh. realized why I picked Goretzka. I think it's because he's Bayern's Kevin Campbell. <laughs> That is that is a great shout. I also, speaking of shouting, uh, would like to remind everyone, I am convinced I either heard Thomas Muller or heard his teammates refer to himself or they refer to him as Ram Deuter. Like at one point there was a 50-50 ball and I swear someone screamed Ram Deuter. So I'm go- also going to be paying attention with it being closed doors, with us being able to hear at least some of the players on the field. I want to know if Thomas Muller refers to himself in the third person as his nickname. Going for a, a nickname which has an extra syllable than your initial name is is a strong play. It's a choice. It, it's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's what I would expect from a, a visionary figure like uh, Thomas Muller. Ryan, you yeah. tend to do predictions when it comes to score lines or what you think might happen. Yeah. Do you have a read on this one at all? Or if you were kind of forced into it by, say, a co-host who wanted you to uh, predict how things are going to go, what might you say about this game? Sure. So I think... Obviously, Dortmund have had a pretty good start coming out with the 4-0 win over Schalke and then the fairly, uh, uh, I wouldn't say simple, but the, the 2-0 win over Wolfsburg mm-hmm. as well. Wasn't as good a win as the Schalke one, but they still got the job done there. And then you've got Bayern, who weren't really tested in that opener against Union. And then against Eintracht Frankfurt, you know, they, they showed, I expected them to notch up a few goals, but they did show some concern at the back a little mm. bit, shall we say, you know, conceding from those corners, conceding from the set pieces um, and, and, you know, almost having a few other threats at goal from from Frankfurt in that game. And I think it was uh, Hansi Flick said, you know, they did have a poor second half in that last game. And I think he said, we weren't that good against the ball. And mm. if you look at Dortmund, they're quite good when they've got the ball. Yeah, they are. So that's going to be interesting. It's going to be obviously Dortmund are not lacking in firepower going forward. They could, could you know, Haaland and and if Sancho gets a start and Julian Brandt, who's been pretty good so far since the return, there's a the sort of players who could maybe expose that back for maybe. I, I think there's goals for both sides in this game. I shall say. Yeah. Um, in terms of predicting it, Dortmund. Uh, if I'm looking at the betting odds here, Dortmund are plus two sixty. Buying a favourites about minus one twenty because away being an away team doesn't mean anything in this league at the moment, and there's not actually been that many home wins. I think if you look at it overall, I get the feeling I really want a Dortmund win because I want the title race to be more interesting. But I just get the impression that Bayern are going to nudge this one. I think it's going to be a one or two goal win for them. Your betting inclinations are already better than mine because some of that terminology, I am hesitant to say, still confuses me. Because if you're like a two-to-one favorite, I get that. If it's like you got to bet a certain amount to win a certain amount, I, I think I'm, I'm more on board. The, the yeah. negative and pluses, that's where I get a little bit confused, though I have a suspicion that it means the same thing. So when you say Bayern or what, negative 120? Is that what you said? 
Yeah, so it's it's a little bit more confusing because I'm only just getting used to the American style mm-hmm. odds uh, because the line odds, if you will, and I've always worked in fractional odds, uh, which I think, as you say, are easy to understand because Dortmund have got a positive number plus two sixty, and Bayern have got a negative number. It means Bayern are the favourite because you know you, you're sort of laying against them, if mm-hmm. you will. So like that, that's how you basically look at that those two numbers together. But it's not like and you have to bet a hundred to lose one twenty or anything like that. The way it would be with other sort of more conventional odds, at least in my mind. No, 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 okay. not quite like that. It's a bit, <laughs> bit more complex than that. But basically, like you'll if if there's a team that's really long odds, they'll be like plus a thousand or something. Yeah. Okay. You, every other team who plays Bayern will be plus a thousand. Probably. All right. So if you have <laughs> a plus and then a huge number next to you, it means you're a massive underdog. Yes, effectively. Okay. So effectively. it's like when Union played uh, when Union Berlin played Bayern Munich. We're gonna guess they were probably like plus two thousand. They were they were big. I seem to remember they were pretty big, yeah. Right. And uh, Augsburg were really big this week. Um, Augsburg in their match, which they won, uh, according to Odds Checker, they only had one percent of people backing their win, which is you know you should if you got on that, congratulations because that was a great shout. Not and all it took was Weston McKinney giving the ball away and then Schalke conceding a free kick immediately. <laughs> Yeah, I called a draw in that game. I think for what it's worth, but uh, you did. Uh, but I will, yeah. I will give you the credit that you deserve because you did have, I think, Dortmund beating Wolfsburg three nil, and I think you said that would be a fairly like convincing performance based on what we've seen from Dortmund. They win two nil. I think you also had Bayern Munich winning, but you did predict that Eintracht Frankfurt would score. That is what yeah, happened I, in the five two win. So both teams to score was my bet there. Yep, got that one. So uh, yeah, I think this is why I ask you what your sort of betting prediction might be. My things to keep an eye on prediction would be I am very excited about that back line you mentioned for Bayern Munich versus Haaland versus Jaden Sancho if he gets his first start since the return. He has not yet started. Axel mm-hmm. Witzel and Emre Jean have also not started. Jean came in and played replacement center back for Mats Hummels, but Hummels should be good to go for this game. But the thing that is most intriguing to me, it's a man we haven't talked about, we probably need to spend some time with, it's Alfonso Davies, and specifically... If the teams line up the way we would expect them to, that means we're going to get Afonso Davies as the very attacking left back, and we will have Ashraf Hakimi as the right wing back responsible for the entire right-hand side of the field, basically, for Dortmund. Mm. I, I don't know how that matchup goes. I don't know who wins. I don't know if it's balanced or if one is completely dominant, but I do know you've got two very fast, very attacking, very creative players who like to get forward, who like to be involved in the attack, can defend, can do that job defensively. But that matchup and how the sort of teams adjust for the way those two want to play and what they do when they can play, uh, it's going to be a really interesting kind of chess match to see how they kind of sort of try to compensate for the other team's strengths or vulnerabilities while at the same time downplaying their own vulnerabilities to increase the likelihood that they get a goal. Yeah, it's going to be some interesting wing-back slash full-back play in this one. And that channel, I think you're right, it's going to be very, very curious to see how that plays out and see how Davies does the overlaps with Perisic potentially. And uh, I think that could be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be where the goals come from, shall we so say. So we've, we've got those two games we've mentioned. The final one we should n- uh, note briefly is uh, Leverkusen versus Wolfsburg. Uh, and it's uh, Leverkusen, I said this on our Saturday review show, they're a team that I always am like, okay, I'm going to watch them. I know they're exciting, but they always finish like third to fifth or sixth in there. And it's just sort of like, I don't know why I just tune off quickly. Maybe some Mainz uh, crowd noise would help me with it. But I want to watch <laughs> and pay attention to Leverkusen and not get distracted because they have so many young players they have so many very exciting attacking players and they 
seem very capable of pulling people out and creating space and creating overloads. And with Wolfsburg, they have looked strong except when their defenders, specifically John Brooks, get pulled out or have to deal with like too many players at once and maybe get just a little bit too far outside or a little bit too far back. And then space opens up. Leipzig, Leverkusen seem like a team that is well positioned to take advantage of any sort of vulnerabilities like that or any defensive wanderings. And so Wolfsburg, who I think are going to be very defensive and trying not to give up any sort of opportunities how those kind of that battle goes as well i think could be very engaging i think so too yeah um wolfsburg they haven't blown me away i'd say since since they came since they come Mm -hmm. back from uh return i think you're right they'll probably sit back in a bit of a meat and potatoes 4-4-2 in this one but they face leverkusen sexy leverkusen taylor (laughs) young and exciting sexy leverkusen who've been so dominant not just after the break but also before that I think they're unbeaten in all competitions since the 1st of February I think it's about 10 games unbeaten only a draw uh, breaking their winning streak in that time and that was against Leipzig okay, by the way can I say okay. on on the announcements on Fox I really like the guy who does the announcements where he in at halftime where he previews the teams because he'll do, he's got an American accent but then he does really good German accents and he's like FC Mainz versus IB Leipzig. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, really I know cool. what you mean. Yeah, it's like, uh, what's the the Schalke? The full name is I forget what it is, but it was. Lulfier, it's, Schalke, yeah, whenever Lulfier. you hear the full thing, you're like, oh, okay, okay, good German. I see what's happening here. But he's he's got a great accent. I love the way he says RB Leipzig. Oh, it's great. <laughs> but he's got a really good voice. Anyway, right, well, I digress. <laughs> to bring it full circle, maybe I need to abandon the Portuguese Duolingo lessons to go with the German ones so that I can pronounce the team names as perfectly and flawlessly. And then for me, it would be as pretentiously uh, as that gentleman does. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, very much so. And if you, if you were interested in a prediction here, I think I'm going to go for the fairly ob- obvious and say Leverkusen, maybe even a Lev- Leverkusen win to nil in this game because of the uh, defensive uh, tendencies of Wolfsburg here. Uh, also, Leverkusen have scored in each of their last 34 games against Wolfsburg. That goes all the way back to 2002. They like a goal against Wolfsburg, and I think they've won the last two matches. It was a 2-0 earlier this season. So that all fits with the pattern. You've got to watch those patterns, Taylor. You do. And then uh, I asked you to explain uh, betting odds a little bit earlier. I just wanted to clarify. In soccer, goals good? Uh, If you get more goals than the other team, that's good for you, bad for them. Yeah, That's what I've been doing wrong. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now I understand. I was hired as a consultant by Schalke. I have got some letters to send because I told them some wrong information. I think that's the Uh, problem. Is that why you got fired from Werder Bremen as well? (laughs) (laughs) That needs to be a person. The the scapegoat hire that you can then immediately fire for being like, they told us we should lose. Can you believe that? I thought it was like golf. (laughs) I want to be the fixer in the sense that I'm the one that they blame all of their mistakes on. And thus I fix the problem for them. But then they're probably going to make the same mistakes again. (laughs) It's a self-sustaining economy, basically. But until I come up with that position, uh, Ryan, thank you very much for taking the time to review the games from Sunday, to preview the games this week. And then I'm going to thank you uh, prematurely for being on the show next week as well. Oh, presumptuous. But thank you, Taylor. I'll be there. It's always a pleasure. Never a chore. 